You know, the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to the Lord with the voice of, anybody know what it says? Triumph. Now, what does that mean? What does triumph mean? Absolute complete victory. Oh, well, only those people that have absolute complete victory can shout to God with the voice of triumph. But who's that? I, I want you to do it a little bit different. I don't want you to say it collectively. I want you to say it, affirm it individually. Who is that talking about? Me. me. It's talking about me. We have the victory every day, everywhere, and everything. So why? Why would we not celebrate? You know, the Bible says if we don't praise the Lord, the rocks and the stones will cry out. When you saw those kids celebrating, they were celebrating the box, they were celebrating receiving Jesus. And I'm telling you, we ought to celebrate every day. Amen? So I'm going to give us another chance to, to clap our hands. And listen, I just I want to be just transparent with you. You know, sometimes I feel this horrendous amount of pressure of, of, of people watching me and seeing what I do. And if I clap or I don't clap. And if I don't clap, other people don't clap. Listen. I am rhythmically challenged, not just follically challenged, I'm rhythmically challenged. So I, I, I may get it off, but, but if you're good and you can clap on beat or off beat or whatever, just clap because it, God deserves that. Amen. So on three, we're going to clap our hands. We're going to shout to God with a voice of triumph. Ready? Okay, one, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. Yes! Thank you, Lord. Woo! Woo! Yes. I needed that. You know why? Sometimes things get to me. Do you believe that? I'm just like you. They get to me, and sometimes I just have to just let it rip and, and just shout to God, clap to God, praise God, rejoice in God. Because of what it does is it not just mentally but physiologically, it helps me to become focused again on God and have that excitement in God. Amen? Well, if you, you can turn around and wave to somebody and you can be seated... You know, it's so important, so important, especially in these days, that uh, we, we are able to recognize that no matter what's going on, who's in control? Yeah, God's in control. Now, God's in control in our lives as much as we have allowed him. It, it's directly related to how much we are letting him guide us and govern us. Now, if we're allowing God to guide us and govern us, then we've got to be confident that no matter what we face, if he's guiding and governing, we're going to have what he has said his son came to give us. And Jesus came to give us what? Life and life more abundant. Yeah. Not just, oh, we're going to have another day. I get another day here on this earth. Man, you have another day to show forth the victory of Jesus Christ. In everything. So that the people that are still on their way to hell, 
because they haven't turned to and trusted in Christ, they're, they're going to see the hope that's in you, the joy that's in you. We're supposed to be able to give an answer to every person who ha- asks why we have hope. And we have hope because of God, because he's the God of all hope, and with him all things are possible. And that he leads us in the victory every day. Every day. Man, in these days, people need to know that. I look around. I, 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 I am out and around and, and interacting with a lot of people. And, and there are a lot of people that are stressed to the max. Now, you may be one of them. But we don't have to be. We don't have to be worried or concerned about anything. About weather. No, I'm not talking about weather something. I'm talking about the weather. All right. Winter's coming. You heard, heard Becky say that, and she snuck that thing right in here today. <laughs> and I do enjoy them, Becky. Thank you. Um, but the weather. There, there are going to be some great days ahead, and there are going to be some challenging days ahead with the weather, right? With, with social things, economic situations. Political. (laughs) I'm telling you, I have never seen so many people so stressed. So stressed and not just stressed. There's so much fear about who's going to be elected. We we talked about this last week. Somebody's going to be elected. And then somebody else is going to be elected in the future. And somebody else and somebody else if Jesus doesn't come back before then. And it doesn't matter. It does, but it doesn't. It's important that we vote, but we have to understand no matter who is elected, God is still in control. Jesus is still on the throne. And that's where we can have an absolute confidence. A confidence, an unshakable peace, an overflowing joy. And a hope that is unlimited. Because it's not based in anything natural. It's based in God who is supernatural. With God all things are possible. And, and that's, why, that's why it's so important. We don't, we don't get deceived. We don't begin to believe something as if it were true although it's a lie. Because it's happening. This is, this is happening. Do you know that the Bible talks about deception and, and it is directly connected to the receiving the mark of the beast? Look it up in the Bible. Those that were, were deceived received the mark of the beast. Now, you may not know about that, but it talks about in the end days, there's going to arise one that is completely opposed to God. And when that happens, I I don't know, I don't care. It doesn't matter because if I'm focused on God, if I'm following Christ, if I'm trusting in Jesus and relying on the Spirit of God and the truth of God's Word, then I don't have to be concerned about deception. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free and keep you free. You'll know the truth and the truth will reveal what is deception, what is not true. But you got to know the truth. Not just, well, I think, or I like, or I suppose. You know, when Jesus was being tempted to believe something that 
that was twisted by the enemy, which is deception, he said, it's written. It's written, it's written, it's written. You and I, we have to know. We have to take the time. We need to make the effort to build the word of God into us. So that when something comes that sounds right, that seems right, that all sorts of people are affirming, we can know whether it's true or it's not. It's not about the number of people that agree with it. In, in, in Jesus' experience with people, the majority of people that were following him at one point, a vast majority of people, turned and walked away from Jesus. Smart? Some of you aren't sure. <laughs> no! They were deceived into thinking they could go any other place, any other direction, to any other source, and get what was needed for abundant life. And they couldn't. But if you were tempted or I were tempted to follow the crowd, we would have walked away too. And what was their rationale? Why did they walk away? Because they said what Jesus said seemed hard, difficult, unpleasant. Folks, God may tell us some things. God's word may point to us going certain directions. And it may be unpleasant. It may be difficult but it's best. So it doesn't matter how difficult, how unpleasant it is, we should follow what God says. Amen? It's, it, we're living in the days that the Bible says people will no longer tolerate sound teaching. Another indicator of the days we're in. Won't tolerate sound teaching and they'll heap to themselves teachers that will tickle their ears or affirm what they believe. Folks, I don't want my beliefs affirmed. I want to affirm and stand solid on str- and strong on God's truth. Because anything else, it's, it's shifting sand. It'll crumble beneath our feet. And we'll find that we're not getting what God promised because we're not standing on what God said. And that's where we, we've been learning about this deception. And where there's deception, there is loss. Good, thank you very much. And where there is devotion, there is gain. Where there's devotion, there's gain. And every one of us wants to gain in our lives. We want to go from what God said he intended our lives to go from glory to? Right, glory to glory, not glory to the garbage. And so God has an ever-increasing glory, an ever-increasing victory, an ever-increasing Life and life more abundant. But we can only have it God's way. And, and we've been looking at in the foundational scripture we've, we've started out with is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, where the apostle Paul was warning. He was concerned. He was warning the church at Corinth. Big church, prosperous church, a church that people looked at and said, man, you've got everything going on. And he's warning them, be aware. Warning them that somehow their pure and undivided devotion to Christ would be corrupted. Now that word devotion we've, we've learned means a strong love, loyalty, and passion for Christ. He's saying, I'm concerned that in the society and the times you're living in, your strong love, loyalty, and passion for Christ that is pure and undivided would be corrupted. 
or seduced to evil or drawn towards evil because the things of society were pulling on them, just like they're pulling on you and me today. But if we're pulled away from devotion, we're moving into just as Eve was what? Deceived. We're moving into deception. We're either going to be devoted or if we're not devoted, all right, where we're committed to Christ, we're, we're given to following his word and the uh, guidance of his spirit, the moment we get off track, we start to move into sin. And what does sin bring to our lives? It's not anything any of us want. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 3 last week, we looked at the fact that, that not only does sin bring death, sin deceives us, the deception of sin that causes us to harden our hearts against God. Now, if my heart becomes hardened against God or anybody else, that's, that's an indicator that I'm not going to be very connected. I'm not going to be very open to input or to aligning with that person. Well, let's just say for, for, for the sake of examples, Mark. I'm hardened towards Mark Colbrenner, sitting right here on the front row. I'm probably not going to look at him a whole lot. I'm definitely not going to listen to him. And I'm not going to spend much time with him. I'm not going to let him have any or as little as possible influence in my life. And, and if I did that to Mark, if I hardened my heart towards Mark, I want you to know who loses. We both do. All right? I lose because Mark is a treasure. Just like every one of you are. And he loses because I'm a treasure. God wants me to be a treasure to him and wants him to be a treasure to me. I need to be a gift to him and he needs to be a gift to me. That's what God intended, how this is supposed to work in humanity. We're supposed to be influencing each other in a positive way, in an abundant life-giving way. But do we see that everywhere? No, we don't see it too many places at all. And it should be happening, especially with Christians, it should be happening everywhere we go, no matter who we're around. We're supposed to be a blessing, not just to God's people, but to everybody. I hope this isn't surprising to you. This is our life. And, and God wanted us to be a blessing to all the people around us. We're to bless those that persecute us and despitefully use us and... Pray for our enemies, right? So it, it includes everybody. But the greatest thing is, if, if, if I'm hardened towards Mark, all right, I'm just stonewalling him, and Mark continues to love me and pray for me, and in whatever way God directs him to bless my life, I want you to understand something. I am going to suffer loss no matter how he chooses to bless me, and he's going to continue to gain in blessing. Because as he prays for me, as he does what God said, even though I'm stonewalling him, I'm hard-hearted towards him, what's going to happen is God's going to bless him back. Folks, you can't lose doing it God's way. Unless you're looking at somebody else being your source to return to you what it is that you're giving out. And unfortunately, all of us come from that background. 
We come from the background of our history without God where we were dependent on everybody else looking at everybody else saying, you know, if I'm good to you, I'm expecting, you know, we're giving with strings attached. I'm expecting you to be good to me. And then when they're not good to us the way we were good to them, then we get hurt and we get offended and we become hard-hearted and stonewall people. And before we know it, we're isolated. Because who is it, humanly speaking, I'm not talking about God, who is it, humanly speaking, that isn't going to fail you? The list is short. Real short. There's nobody on that list, humanly speaking. There's no human being that is not going to fail you at some time, some way. But God will never fail you. And that's why we can't look. We can't. We're setting ourselves up for a fall when we look to somebody else, when we're giving to them or blessing them or trying to help them, looking for them to return to us what we think we deserve because of what we gave. And that's why we can't afford to be deceived. Can't afford it. Can't afford to believe something that's not true. There's nobody that's going to be without flaws or failure that is a human being. And the moment we begin to think somebody, somebody is, whew, I'm telling you, don't put me up on a pedestal. Don't put anybody up on a pedestal. There's only one that deserves to be lifted high, and that's Jesus. Because he will never fail us. But when people fail us, and when we fail ourselves, and when we fail others, it's because we're moving into that area of sin. We're, we're, we're not what God had for us to be by the grace of God. We're trying to be good. But listen, it's not about trying. Because when you and I just are trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, you know, we trip up, we fall down, we go to God and say, God, forgive me, I'll try harder. You're going to trip up and fall again. I'm going to trip up and fall again because it's not in our trying, it's in our trusting. And when we come to the place of humility, of vulnerability, especially with God, because he knows everything, and, and we're honest, the Bible says in our weakness, in our frailties, in our uh, flaws, and in our failures, God's strength is made full. So even, even when we do fall short, we don't have to be wrecked by it. And we can, we can look to God to restore and redeem, rescue from loss, as we turn to him and turn away from the way we were going. But when we are devoted to God, we're always going to be turning to him. When we're deceived, we're going to be turning away. When Eve was deceived... Where did she turn? Did she, she turn to God or away from God? She turned away from God. And understand this, every time we turn away from God towards anything or anyone else, we're deceived, and where there's deception, there is loss. And that's how deceived we are. None of us would ever choose to lose. Is that right? I hate losing. I do. I, I want 
I so want to experience abundant life, more each day than the day before. Now, it doesn't happen all the time. And some days, I don't, I don't track with God the way I need to. And the moment I get out of alignment with God, I'm moving into sin, and sin causes some sort of death. Steals, kills, and destroys. Because that's what the enemy does. And yet I can repent. I can turn back to God, track with God, and see God bring redemption. He redeems it. He rescues it from loss. How he does that, I don't know. I'm not God. But I'm telling you, in my life, I have made so many mistakes. I've done things wrong. I have, I have turned away from God at times. And I'm telling you this because it's true about you. It's true about all of us. And we should at least be honest before God. And I will tell you this. I can see in my life where I did things that were not right. And as I turned back to God, I saw God redeemed. Now, have I seen everything redeemed? No, but one day I will. Just like one day you will. When God finally has his way. But that's why we should, we should be smarter right now. We should be determined. Man, God, I'm going to be devoted to you. I'm, I'm going to be so in love with you, so loyal to you, so passionate about you, that nothing's going to be able to pull me away. That's, that's who God's looking for. And there's a promise with it we're going to see at the end of the service today. But before we go any further, we're going to pray because we need to open our hearts. We need to invite God to speak to us because we don't live, the Bible says, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, Father, right now, thank you for your presence. You're always there. You always care. But, Father, we are, are requesting. You said we have not because we ask not. We're requesting your input. Father, we need you to download into us truth today transformational truth that, that, Father, we can, we can act on and we can live our life by. And we thank you, Father, for, for working what only you can work by your word and by your spirit. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said? And so to see what, what the, the loss of deception is and what the gain of devotion is, we're going to go to Psalm chapter 1. Real, real familiar portion of Scripture. And we're going to go through this and we're going to go through another portion of Scripture and see... How, how devotion brings gain and how deception brings loss. But it says here, blessed is the man or woman. Dumb question. Do you want to be blessed today? Listen, it, your life and other people around you is, is dependent on the blessing of God. And God wants to bless. God wants to bless everyone, but God won't and can't bless other people because they're not looking to God. But when we're blessed... Just as God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And he said, I'm going to bless you for this reason, so you can be a blessing to all the people of the earth. That's still in effect. God has for you to be blessed so that the blessing doesn't stay with you. It's not contained by you, but it goes from you. And as it goes from you, as God's blessing comes to you, are you blessed? I know that's a dumb question, but just answer it. When the blessing of God comes to you, are you blessed? Yes. But God has even greater blessing as it goes from you. 
you're more blessed to give than receive. So what God intended was the blessing would come and the blessing would go. Not that it's robbed, but you give it away, you bless somebody else, and the blessing continues to exponentially increase. No one does that but God. So blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Understand this. What he's saying is, when we get connected, if you just start walking, listening to ungodly people, all right, that's the first interaction. You're just kind of walking and somebody comes along and they're telling you what they think and it's not in line with God and his word and his way. All of a sudden we're, we're walking with them. And then it says, it stands in the path of sinners. Now I want you to understand this, that as Christians we can still sin, Right? And we shouldn't be hanging with people that do that. We should love people. We should be connected to their lives in ways of, of offering opportunity for them to be transformed. But we shouldn't be sitting or standing with them in what they're doing. And then it says, sitting in the seat of the scornful. This is ever-increasing influence. At least you're still making progress when you're walking. When you're standing, and I'm standing, we're, we're not making any progress. And when we sit, it's basically we've quit. And that's where we've got to see this. If, if we're walking in the council of the ungodly, standing in the path of sinners, we're on the same track as those sinners. Because we're on the same path. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. We've got to be on his path. Now Listen. We love everyone. God loved us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have no right to judge another person. What judges them is the word of God. But we don't condemn them either. Jesus said, I've not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. So what we do is we compassionately, lovingly, caringly connect with these people to a limited degree to influence them, not be influenced by them. Folks, as Christians, we ought to be insulated, not isolated. You know what I mean by insulated? That means that whatever is going on around you, you're not affected by. But be aware. The Bible says evil company corrupts good morals. If you're keeping company, I mean just continuing. See how it says walks, stands, and sits? We, we spend more and more time with ungodly people on an ongoing basis. They're going to have an impact. I've watched too many situations in relationships where somebody who was a Christian was, was in relationship, kind of a uh, reaching out, I'm going to see him saved, and I believe we should all see people saved through, through our witness. But the connection became closer and closer and closer, and, and, and what I saw was the Christian was influenced by the non-Christian. I would love to say it's, it's more the other way, but I'm telling you, when people, people are not as strong as they think they are. The Bible says, you who think you stand, take heed lest you fall. If you think you're that strong, you're deceived. If you think you're not going to be influenced, you're deceived. And where there's deception, there is. So when we are, are not doing these things, we're blessed. It says, but this blessed man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or sits in the seat of the scorn, but their delight, their delight 
That word delight means longing for. It's about bending towards, being inclined to, or having a passion about. It's about devotion. Their devotion is to the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You know, when, when you're devoted to something or someone, is it something that sporadically, occasionally comes into your thoughts? No. When, when you love, you strongly love, you're loyal to and you're passionate about, that's devotion. I remember being, being absolutely taken by Debbie. I, I met her on campus. I saw her when I was serving a lunch that was outside for the, the, the food service of the school. And I saw her and I was like, wow. And, and my life had a new turn. It was about her. I, I, I thought about her. I daydreamed about her. I would run out of this. This is crazy. But I would run out of my classes because I had found out what her schedule was like. And I knew where she was and where she was going. And I would plant myself along. Don't tell her this. <laughs> plant myself along the way so I could just at least see her. Yeah, it is called stalking. But back then, nobody realized it. <laughs> but, but my passion, my, my, my devotion, even before it, we were really connected, was about Debbie. And she's, she's, I am devoted to Debbie, but I'm devoted to one more than Debbie. And that's God. And that's who our devotion needs to be first and foremost. He's to have the preeminence. But when our delight is in the law of the Lord, we meditate day and night on, on his word, on his ways, on him. You, you can't stop thinking about him. Now, I, I understand this may sound absolutely crazy, but when you're really in love, when you're really passionate, when you're really loyal, that thing or person dominates your life. And church, we want to say we're, we're devoted to God, but I'm telling you right now, I believe God is, is speaking to the church, not to this building, to us who are the church, about upping the level of our devotion, our passion, our love, our loyalty to God. <clears throat> because, not because he needs it. He doesn't need it. He wants this for us because we need it. Our family needs us to be absolutely devoted to God, passionate about God, loyal to God, loving to God. And then we won't do the things we do when we're not passionate, loyal, and loving to God. And there's a gain in our lives, but there's a gain in their lives. It says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers did you notice that it wasn't a river? It's rivers of water. Water represents the word of God. And when a tree is planted by rivers, what's the likelihood that the rivers are going to run dry? No. It didn't say a stream. It didn't say a trickle. It talked about rivers. I think about the three rivers in Pittsburgh. Man, three big rivers that come together. They've never run dry. 
And God will never run dry in your life. And sometimes we feel really dry, but we got to not begin to look at where am I planted? Where am I planted? Where's my devotion? Where's my passion? Where's my love? Where's my loyalty? Because we make the choice here. I make the choice. You make the choice. It goes on to say in verse 4, or let rest verse 3 is, that brings forth its fruit and season whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does, what? What? You can't believe that. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It's crazy to think that could happen, but that's because we judge it, humanly speaking. Who is the one that this is dependent on? God and us. We do our part. We delight in the Lord. We, we become more passionate, more loving, more loyal to God, and will be a tree that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. That means it's not subject to the surroundings, the environment it's in doesn't affect it. That's why in these days, in the upheaval that we're experiencing in the world we live in, we don't have to be concerned. Man, we can have peace for days, years, because we're, we're planted deep in the, the, next to the, water, the river of God's, the water of his word. And it goes on to say, whatever he does will prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they're like the chaff with the, which the wind drives away. Something that's so light that whatever wind, the Bible talks about winds of doctrine, teachings, new ideas that come up, things that are sweeping through society and carrying them this way and that way. We're not going to be that way, but the ungodly will. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners, sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the ungodly shall perish. Now, Jeremiah 17, this isn't the only place this occurs. Jeremiah 17, verse 1, it tells us what, what it's talking about, the sin of Judah. And sin deceives, and where there's deception, there's loss, right? And where sin deceives, the deception of sin causes us to harden our hearts against God. It goes on to say, the sin of Judah is inscribed with iron chisels engraved with a diamond point on their stony hearts. Man, sin hardens us. When we become hard to God, we are not going to be devoted to God. We're, we're, we're going to be walled up against God. There are some people today, they've been so hurt by people, and they're so mad at God. Listen, let me tell you something. The moment you and I point at God as the problem, we're absolutely deceived. Because God is the greatest ally in your life. He's the only one that can heal your heart, redeem your life, and restore your soul. But it goes on to say, uh, dropping down in, in verse, verse 5, uh, it says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans. Cursed. This word cursed means to hem in with obstacles. So God hems you in with obstacles. You know what? The moment we turn away from God, there are all sorts of obstacles and oppositions that are going to be around us because the enemy's setting you up to trip you up. We trip ourselves up. We set ourselves up for loss. But, but it also means to render powerless, cursed. 
Someone is rendered powerless when they put their trust in who? Mere human beings. It could be yourself. It could be somebody else. It could be government officials. It could be your boss. There's no limit to who this is saying that we put our trust in. And that's why we've got to be aware. Who am I putting my trust in? Who is my hope in? Who is my devotion to? Who is my expectation from? Because I'm telling you, it's so easy for us to transfer it. Somebody comes into your life. God directs them into your life. They become a blessing in your life. And all of a sudden, you start to look at the bless, the one that brought the blessing instead of the one that gave the blessing. And there's a difference. All the blessings come from God, but they come through whoever God uses. And we can't afford to get our eyes on people because we become powerless when we put our eyes and our hope and our trust in people. It goes on to say, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. Again, there's a turning away from the Lord. There's a hardening of our hearts when we become dependent on, on people or put our trust in people. They're like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. Now, how, how beneficial is a shrub in the desert? Now, when it's talking about shrub, uh, Debbie and I, when we first got married, I, I took her out to not the Garden Place of America, to Bakersfield, California. Uh, people used to call that, and forgive me, the armpit of California. Because it was just desert that they had pumped water in and it became a place where they grew all sorts of different types of foods. It was, it was the breadbasket of California. But where it wasn't artificially manipulated to have water, it was absolute desert. And one of the things that, that I, it was terrible when we drove in because I remember tumbleweeds blowing across the road and Debbie looking at them and saying, what's that? We had windstorms, dust storms. I remember coming out of, of Baskin Robbins with an ice cream cone. Dumb thing to do in a dust storm. Unless you want to clean your teeth while you eat your ice cream. <laughs> and, and so there, there were a lot of things that were not good. But this, this shrub in the desert is a tumbleweed. What good do you get from a shrub in the desert? Can you get shade from it? No. Can you get moisture from it? There's no good that comes from it. Folks, there's no good that comes from our lives except the good that comes to us from God that we pass on to those around us. That's why we can't afford to be deceived to putting our trust in any other human being. God uses, don't get me wrong, God uses human beings, but don't put your trust in human beings. Put your trust in God. Put your trust. The Bible says, why so downcast, O oh, my soul? Put your trust in God. goes on to say, they will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. Those that put their trust in mere human beings will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. Does that sound like a desirable place to be? No. But we choose it when we put our trust in mere human beings. Listen, don't put your trust in me. I, can't, I cannot do for you what God does. I can pray for you, but God's the one that answers the prayers. So I, we, we have to look over the heads of those that God 
that God uses to the God that is the source of every good and perfect gift. Amen? He goes on to say, but blessed, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank whose roots, with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried about long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. The other day, I was driving into our, our, uh, our house. Now, as I drive up our little kind of dirt and stone driveway to turn left into our driveway, there's a driveway to a driveway. On the right-hand side, there's an apple tree. And as I pulled in the driveway, my headlights swept through the apple tree, and underneath the apple tree were five deer. They had not been there before, but they were there, and they had continued to come back. And the reason why is there, were fr there was fruit. Folks, people come to your lives and my life, our lives, because of the fruit of God. And if we're not bearing fruit, they're not going to be around. The thing that draws people to the Lord is the fruit in our lives. And the Bible says you'll know people by their fruit. And that's where this says they'll never stop producing fruit. Even when you don't think you're producing fruit, when you're devoted to God, you're producing fruit. I know that because when I lived in Atlanta, when I was in, in high school going to college, I worked in a restaurant very ungodly place. And I had been saved, but I was not walking with God. And, and I would try and read my Bible and things like that, but it just didn't seem to be working. All right? I, I will tell you this. I was not fully devoted, but there was a devotion there. It wasn't what it needed to be, and it wasn't what it was going to become. But even in that, there were people that were like, what's different about you? I was like, I, pff, I don't know. They would ask questions, and finally I realized that the Spirit of God helped me understand that I'm a Christian. I said, that's it. And this husband and wife, John and Pam Sarver, said, how, how do you become a Christian? Isn't that something you want to hear? Not that you have to push somebody into it. You know, you're going to hell, so you need to Jesus Christ. No, people are like, how do, how do I be saved? How do I, how do I come to know Christ? Now, my life wasn't what it would be, but there was a degree of devotion. I want you to know, whatever devotion there is, there's fruit from. But we shouldn't be happy with just a little bit of devotion. We should be fully devoted followers of Christ. Amen? Because where there's devotion, there's, and the more devotion we have towards God, the greater the gain we experience and we can bless other people with. It goes on to say in verse, verse 9, the human heart is most deceitful of, of all things and desperately wicked. Dave, Dave Jr. shared this in his message. And who, can, who knows it, how bad it is? But verse 10 says, but I... The Lord search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give to people their due rewards. Do you know God's a rewarder of, of, of people? God's not a punisher. Sin punishes. 
But God wants to reward you. And the Bible says that God rewards those that diligently seek him. Seek him with their whole heart. According to what their actions deserve. Now, <clears throat> we're going to go to just two more scriptures real quickly. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. This is, this is the promise I, I referred to in the beginning. It says, for the eyes of the Lord to run to and fro throughout the whole earth. So he's seeing you. He's seeing me every day. He's aware of us. He's not unaware of you. To show himself strong. Who wants God to show himself strong on their behalf? He's looking. He's, he's searching. It's not like God's waiting for somebody to come up and say, Lord, I'm really being strong towards you. Would you, would you show yourself uh, strong on my behalf? Whose heart is loyal to him. That's devotion. When our devotion, God recognizes it. He shows himself strong on our behalf because we've made room for him. That's what devotion is. Devotion is beginning to open up our lives, open up our schedules, open up our hearts, open up our minds to him. To him. It goes on in, in, in uh, this translation. Um, it says, N-E-T, certainly the Lord watches the whole earth carefully and is ready to strengthen those who are devoted to him. This is what we're learning. We're learning about how important devotion is to God, but also how easy it is to be deceived and drawn away from God. Eve was deceived. I'm telling you, Eve and Adam stood in the very presence of God with face-to-face with -face interaction, unlike any other human beings have ever had in this, this earth. And in that environment that was so pure, so thick with the, the love of God and the glory of God and the goodness of God, the enemy was able to deceive them, cause them to believe something that wasn't true, and cause their devotion to be corrupted. That's, that ought to give us some insight that, man, if, if they in the very perfect presence of God could be deceived... You and I have to be aware of that so that we don't fall prey to that same deception and continue to work towards our devotion towards God. And then, then in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, because sometimes we think, well, this is all old, old covenant. The new covenant contains the benefits and blessings of the old covenant along with even greater benefits and blessings of the new covenant. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 in the New Testament for everyone, it says, above all, pursue his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. When it talks about all these things, it's talking about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, your body, health, life, all of it. All these things will be given to you. That's why we don't have to go after this stuff. If we just go after God, if we choose to devote our lives to God, God will take care of the rest. Is that not what Jesus did? He said, I've come not to do my will, but the will of my Father. It's my bread. It's, it's what nourishes me, strengthens me to do my Father's will. His devotion was to the Father. And did he lack anything? No, absolutely not. Do you know that, that Jesus and his ministry was so prosperous that he had to have somebody kind of watching over the finances as they came in. But where do you get that? 
Judas was the one that had to watch over all the money that came in. All the things that people donated and gave freely and fully to Jesus and to the ministry and to the disciples. I want you to understand God's not against your prosperity. God wants you to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And how does our soul prosper? It prospers through devotion to God. When we're devoted to God, when we're loving God and loyal to God and passionate about God, man, there's a wholeness that comes to our soul that begins to take over our whole life. It, it begins to prosper everything. Because that's what God wants. God wants you blessed beyond anything you could imagine or dream so that you could be a blessing beyond anything you could imagine or dream. All these things, all these things God wants to give to you, add to you. But the challenge is this. Where we're not devoted to God, God can't bless us in those areas. And this is why. The moment we are not devoted to God more than money. Let's just say money. All of a sudden, money becomes an idol. An idol gives a false sense of you experiencing abundant life. Good, blessing, all those things that we think are going to come from those things that we trust in. Above God. But we're deceived. And where there's deception, there's loss. That's why, that's why, that's why we don't have to be after any of this stuff. If we'll just go after God, if we'll be fully devoted to God, God can trust us with any and everything. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm looking around and, and I, I, I know, as far as I am aware, I know everybody here and I know that you have given your life to the Lord. And, and that's the beginning, but it's always continuing to give ourselves more, more, and more to God. Being more devoted to God than ever before. More passionate about God. More loyal to God. More loving towards God. I'm going to ask you this question. I don't want you to raise your hands. I don't want you to respond to me because it doesn't matter whether I know or not. You do. Does your devotion need to increase? And if it does, realize that it's not up to you just to do it alone. God's, God's going to empower you and assist you to be able to say no to sin, no to deception, and yes to him. Oh, so, Father, right now I pray for every one of your people. I pray, Father, that our devotion would continue to increase. As long as we're in the earth... Because we'll never arrive complete. But Father, as long as we're in the earth, that our love, loyalty, and passion for you would increase. Our love for your word would increase so that we would not fall prey to the deception of, of the enemy and of sin and harden our hearts. I thank you, Father, for any heart that has been turned away, that's turning back. That Father, you're going you're gonna to tenderize their heart. You said you'd give us a tender heart. And so, Father, I thank you that we would be tender towards you, that, that when we hurt you or turn away from you, there would be a, a conviction in our own heart by Holy Spirit that we would recognize it and return to you. 
And we thank you, Father, for the good work that you've begun in us that you are faithful to complete. Because you're at work. You said you'd be at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. We count on that today, Father. And tomorrow and the rest of this week and month and year that you're working in us because we've invited you because we're devoted and increasing our devotion in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Um, before we, we, we've got two more things to do. One is, I want you to see this video. We're headed towards the, the election. People have already voted. People are going to vote. And so it's important, again, that you do two things. Number one, you vote. And number two, you pray. Pray for God's will. Not your will, not your candidate, God's will. Because amazingly enough, uh, God's ways are higher than ours. He may do things that we didn't think were supposed to happen, but remember, God's in control. So I want you to watch this video. It's by Tim Timmons. It's about a, part of a series, but it's about who we pledge our allegiance to. Go ahead.
So he's basically saying, this really blessed me. It was sent to me by somebody, and, and it affirms exactly what we've been hearing. But I thought he put it in a very concise and good way, so I wanted to expose you to that. Last thing before we dismiss, uh, we, we had a new members class last week, and uh, seven people believe this is where God has to plant them. And if you're here, I'm going to uh, read off all the names. If you're here, uh, I want you to stand wherever you are. Uh, if you're standing, just wave so people can see you. You guys need to look around. Even though you can't see the whole face, you can see at least part of the face and the person. And uh, when you get out of here, you can welcome them. Uh, Dan Baker. Okay, I don't see Dan. Uh, Brian Donahue. All right. Phil and Jill Downs. Okay, we're three for three. I know this one's here. Mark Engelbert. Corinne Mason, okay, and Bonnie Purdy. We're so grateful that, that God is continuing to add uh, to the body and the family here. Would you stand? We're going to dismiss in a second. There's going to be the video that's always on. You're going to see a victory. Uh, you are. You're going to see a victory this week. And the ushers are going to dismiss you in an orderly fashion, but I just want to pray and bless you. Father, I thank you for your blessing on each one of your children here. It doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter the gender. It doesn't matter the race. You have a design and desire to bless and prosper everyone here so that the blessing in their lives would not only overflow in abundant life for them, but overflow in all the lives that they're connected with, whether it's family, friends, co-workers, or people they just come across the path of. Lord, today... We thank you for that blessing flowing freely and fully. And as we go through this week, let it flow to us and through us to impact all those around us so that they would see Christ in us, who's the hope of glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.